Hi, I'm Carlene, and this is Not Magnation. Listen, learn, and be a part of Grenada. We have in the studio with us Wayne Williams. Your family roots are from Grenada, so tell me a little bit about your family. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, mom and pop, both from Grenada, the Montrose area, and uh, they, they met they met in church, uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, good, oh, good, my goodness. Good, good, good my grandmother's Seventh-day Adventist, and really? she's been going to the same church since yeah. 1975, is what yes. she told me. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Good God fearing people. So, so yeah. Uh, and then they, uh, you know, like a lot of um, Caribbean folk did, uh, they, they uh, immigrated to the UK. Um, and that's where I was born. So I was born in, uh, in Reading, just, uh, just uh, northwest, I believe, of, of London, a small uh, town uh, there. And then we moved to London and I lived there for uh, a good nine years. And then um, moved from, I think my dad was just this kind of globetrotter where he just loved to move. I, I don't know. But anyways, we went, we went from, from the UK to Brooklyn, New York, right? Wow. In the late seventies, right? So early eighties and man, what a, what a culture shock, right? You know, this little black kid with a UK accent used to talk like this, mommy, can I have a sweetie? And I'm in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Hardcore Brooklyn in the seventies and eighties. I was that was no messing around. They stole my lunch money. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it wasn't good. So, anyways, we were there for only a few years, and my dad said, "You know, yeah, well, this isn't this isn't working for us." And then we uh, we moved to to Canada, Hamilton on the mountain, and to start. And uh, I've lived the rest of my life in this great country called Canada. So, um, so yeah. Why do you think you've stayed in Hamilton for so long? Like, you know, Toronto's a big place. There's so many different areas yeah. of the city that you could have lived in. You know. Right. Well, you know, at that point, you just live with your parents, right? So you just kind of. Mm -hmm. Well, where they moved, right? And they, instead yeah. of Toronto, um, my parents decided to move west, right? So it was from Hamilton to Stony Creek to Niagara. Um, uh, they weren't just, a, they were a fan of the big city, right? They, they, they just liked the suburbs and uh, wanted to raise a family there. So that's why we headed in this direction. Yeah. And where did you go to school? So I went to school at uh, Grantham High School uh, and then Niagara College, right? So I graduated from Niagara College there. Um, I took the radio and television course. And at that time, they used to call us the uh, the rats, uh, short, uh, you know, synonym for radio and television students. We were rats, right? So graduated from there, uh, pretty pretty much uh, you know, top of the class. I did quite well there, and uh, and said that you know this is what I I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. Originally, my parents, you know, you know, being from the West Indies, you know, your parents always like gotta be a doctor or a lawyer <laughs> or a businessman. Right, and it's like <laughs> oh, those are all fantastic. Those are all great things and uh, great occupations. And uh, but you know, I did try um, you know business for a year at University of Houston, but it just wasn't for me. Uh, and then decided that I want to pursue you know what, uh, what kind of was in my heart, right? You know, just being uh, love you know communication and and and, and creating content. Um, and just and just using my my kind of my personality, my voice, and, and, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, radio was it. So, where did you start off in radio? I know you were talking about G ninety eight seven and Flow ninety three five, but before you even got to those stations, where did you start off in your radio career? 
Yeah, I worked my way up. I mean, everybody, like, you know, part-time on the weekends, CJFT in Fort Erie, and then um, a couple of, uh, you know, weekend gigs, uh, doing some production. Uh, and then I'll skip to the chase, but, you know, the, 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 the uh, I guess I guess the breaking point of my career was, was a station uh, in Burlington. It was called FM 108 at the time. And this was back in, uh, in 1989, October 2nd, to be exact. And they were looking for a new show in the evening where they were more of an adult contemporary station in the daytime. Um, ratings were terrible. They just, it just wasn't working, right? And they were looking for something different uh, in the evening. The GM at the time uh, was Jamaican and wanted to really pursue an urban-based uh, rhythmic format in the evening. And they kind of had nothing to lose in terms of, you know, business for the station because it was just so bad, if you will. So uh, I found out uh, from, uh, from one of my uh, radio buddies that they were looking for a host for this evening show doing a rhythmic style urban radio. So I'm like, wow, I mean, hey, at that point, too, I had just finished an internship at WBLK in Buffalo, right, too. So I had my demo tape from there. So, you know, you got this this kid coming in with a demo tape from, you know, from the mighty WBLK, uh, trying to start this, uh, this urban station in, uh, in Burlington, Ontario. So, uh, you know, his name was, uh, was Junior Chung, Khan Chung. Uh, and, uh, him and I, we, uh, we clicked, uh, I got the job immediately and, uh, we started Rhythm Radio on FM 108 and the slogan was daytime light rhythm at night. Ooh, very catchy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Daytime> <laughs> light, rhythm at night. Oh my goodness. Wow. What a history, right? So that's where you got kind of your step into radio and that's when um yeah. I guess you started your career from from that day on. Yeah, so. that's the problem. It's a problem. We were there for, for ten years. What happened was the evening ratings just killed what was happening in the daytime with the, the yeah. whole adult contemporary, you know, format uh, at that station. Uh, was not strong. So what they decided to, to do was to turn the entire station into the rhythmic base station. Then they hired an entire staff, sales, other uh, uh, programmers, uh, announcers, and then it turned into Energy, energy Radio uh, back in the 90s. Uh, hired uh, Scott Turner at the time who came in, who was at CFNY, and, uh, and we kind of just launched together this, uh, this kind of mega dance rhythmic urban station. Um, and uh, it took off, just, uh, just created a whole club scene, a culture. We played a lot of, uh, we made a lot of independent artists uh, back then. And uh, it was the first time that, you know, the rhythmic music was being played on a commercial radio station in Southern Ontario, besides what was happening with Deadly Headley on CFNY or Chris Shepard. And those were always late night. And of course, community radio too. I mean, you can't forget, you know, the Fantastic Voyage and all those, all those great uh, shows that were, that were being played on community radio. But in terms of a commercial radio station, um, Energy was, uh, was pretty much the first. From that experience, you said you were there for 10 years, and then um, was that when you decided to change um, stations, like apply to work somewhere else? Like, is that when, you know, decided like, well, I've been here long enough, it's time to change um, stations? And what happened was it was a uh, change of ownership. So, okay. yeah. This and that happens in radio uh, all of the course. time, right? So yeah, so they literally uh, pretty much um, unloaded <laughs> most of the staff, right? At that point, so um, that is when I moved over to 
this really cool radio station, the first full-time true urban station of the time, Flow 93.5. So I started out there. I got hired there for a midday host, then moved into the afternoon drive, then moved into a music director, then got the program director gig. And uh, I was there for about 11 years. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud of what we did at, uh, at Flow. And, um, you know, from, you know, regular urban programming in the daytime, specialty shows, um, you know, with Dr. J and, and Specs and, and, and the Mighty Freaks and, and hip hop. Um, so, yeah, um, it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, we, I mean, we interviewed everybody. I mean, it was, it was all, it was any urban, you know, celebrity that came through. Uh, especially at Caravan time, it was all about you know heading the heading the flow at uh, Young and Young and uh, and Queen. So yeah, it was good. Yeah, I think I think um, there's not that many. Well, I mean, when we think about it, there's not that many urban radio stations. I mean, other than Flow and G ninety eight seven. So during that time, I think, like you said, was it changing people in the community and that kind of thing? Like, here's a station that we can now listen to for hip hop and rap and that genre of music, you know? Yeah, it was very important, obviously, right. Uh, you know, for, you know, the first in Canada, um, for, uh, for that, for that format, that true urban format. Right. So, and then there were a few other stations that followed suit, um, and, you know, really wanted to, to kind of, uh, you know, jump on that bandwagon when, you know, urban was, was really making, uh, its way into the mainstream, and four or five stations popped up throughout Canada, but uh, they uh, they didn't survive. So I think it's all about to the economies of scale on on urban stations, understanding where they fit in the marketplace um, uh, in terms of you know how much revenue they're going to generate, you know where they are um, geographically, and uh, and will it work or not, kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, from, from your experience there, like, I mean, what do you say to people, like someone now who's thinking about going into radio in the year 2020? Yeah, so, um, yeah, good question. <laughs> so radio, radio definitely uh, has morphed, needs to keep changing, right? Um, no, it's not going to die. It's still a fantastic medium. You know, that one-on-one -on -one medium, the fact um, that you are, you know, talking to that listener and they can, they can literally, you know, drive down to the station, you know, pick up pricing, go down and see you at a remote, you know, go to a club or whatever you are and still, you know, the interaction and, uh, and just the terrestrial nature of it is, is fantastic. Right. So, but that being said, obviously bombarded with so many other mediums. Uh, that it has to change, and it is changing. And you know, now radio stations, you know, they're more about a, a multimedia broadcast facility, right? It's you have to be uh, well versed in many mediums to make it in radio today. So if you think that you're heading into radio to do one thing, one job, uh, think again. Uh, you have to be an announcer. You have to know social media. You have to be really good um, with shooting video. Uh, standing in front of a camera, uh, writing blog posts, right? So that's what is, you know, radio is all about right now. And if you're looking for a gig in radio, you have to make sure that, uh, that you are definitely well-versed in a lot of those areas and, and also understanding that, you know, the jobs are, you know, uh, a lot less than they were back in the day because one job, one person is doing so many different jobs, right? So, 
Yeah, yeah. I have a colleague, um, Jen. She works at um, 92.9 The Brand. And because of COVID, is she has so many more hats now because they've laid off some people. And obviously, that has impacted a lot of people. You know what I mean? And I'm sure you can speak to that right now, like how COVID has affected um, even you in the business world, because you've, you've changed career paths, you're no longer in radio. And um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of, COVID just kind of hit everybody, you know, obviously blindsided a lot of people. And, uh, and when you talk about radio and, and radio revenues and advertising, and a lot of things that, you know, that we advertise on radio are, are group events, right? <laughs> group meetings, like, come on down to the store and, uh, and come to this event and this festival, right? So when you don't have those to advertise anymore, obviously it's going to affect the bottom line, you know, on a on a pretty grand scale. So uh, so radio definitely uh, got affected for sure. People were working from home. It's just not the same thing. You're broadcasting from your your office or your bedroom or whatever. Um, so uh, there's a lot of different uh, ways that it was affected, not only monetarily, but just uh, just culturally. You know, just the mental state of, uh, of what it means to be you know, uh, working for a radio station for a company, a broadcast company. So, so yeah, but, you know, sometimes things happen, things change. You have to adjust accordingly and, uh, and just uh, pick yourself up and get back in it. So that's what a lot of companies are doing. And that's what a lot of, you know, uh, employees are doing and just having to adjust. Yeah. So how, I mean, now that you are, um, you have a digital media agency, um, how have you had to adjust um, as a result of COVID? Yeah, so when COVID hit, we just shut down. <laughs> so yeah, literally, yeah. Uh, shut down for a while and then uh, adjusted in terms of starting to reach out to our clients and going, well, the new normal now is online. Yes. So, you know, now we reached out to them and, and adjusted, you know, a lot of our packages and what we do to suit what they may be doing in the future as well too, right? So in that respect, it, it is, it's helping uh, because people are now figuring out that instead of that seminar that they would have, uh, you know, arranged uh, for the end of the year in person, they're going to be doing it online. So yeah. we, can, we can help them market that and facilitate that. So um, a lot more people are going to be looking for video production, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Keeping up on their web design, right? And maybe really uh, working on that, uh, that home base and that portal because now that's going to be the first line of defense for their businesses and their brands right when uh when people want to uh you know look for whatever service or product that they're selling so the website's got to be in tip-top shape so all of that is uh is, is where we're leading to and, and, and helping businesses out with we're talking about like online presence and that kind of thing but i also want to talk about your podcast um and you know just you being a podcaster now and how long have you been doing that so I have a podcast actually uh, early 2000s. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, being a radio student and a, you know, and, uh, <laughs> a radio professional and somebody who teaches radio, it's like, you know, it's just natural evolution for me to actually have a podcast. What's well, a podcast, right? It's a syndicated radio show. Think about it, right? Yeah. Um, so we had one, uh, a bunch of my buddies who, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Formula One fan, right? So go Lewis Hamilton. All right, so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we had a we had a Formula One podcast back in the early two thousands, and uh, and that was, that was pretty good, cool. We lasted lasted for about a good year, year and a half, and then it just kind of fell off because I just got busy with a lot of things. And then when COVID hit, 
I'm like, you know, I was always wanted to get back into podcasting. I just didn't have the time to do it, um, you know, over the years. And I'm like, this is the perfect time to get back into it. So I, uh, we launched it. So we launched it in conjunction with Agency 9, the digital agency. So that just helping out small business. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and now I, I started a second one called 18% Gray, which is a podcast about uh, photography, um, video production, equipment, uh, creative content, that kind of thing. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I listened to one of your podcasts about, you know, the whole thing, the world's going crazy right now. It's not just COVID-19. Um, a lot of issues are coming to light, like Black Lives Matter. And I, I you know, just listening to your podcast, I learned about your experience as a black entrepreneur and someone who's been in the business world for such a long time and just your experience just going to a restaurant and how people treat you. And, you know, I was surprised, you know what I mean? Um, until we bring this conversation to the light, we don't know what's happening when you go out to dinner with colleagues and, and friends and that kind of thing. So um, as someone who has spoken about this on your podcast, what, I mean, what's your opinion on Black Lives Matter and, and how do you feel like we can change this so that more opportunities are out there for, you know, other black entrepreneurs, you know? Well, obviously a firm believer in the cause and, and just, uh, just the fact that now the conversations are actually happening and what Black Lives Matter has done to, to bring it to the forefront has been uh, nothing short of amazing, obviously. Right. So, um, and I love the new direction that it's going in with the whole, uh, you know, silence is not an option anymore. And, and that's, that has been what the problem has been too, because there's a lot of people, I don't know the racist, I don't know, but they sit in a group of friends and they're hearing all this racist, you know, rhetoric happening and they just sit quiet and do nothing. And then the friends think, oh, it's cool and, and nobody really cares. And it just kind of goes on from there. But to see the diversity in all the protests was fantastic as well too. So that, that whole silence is not an option. Now, you know, white Canada, white America, and every other race as well as, are, are all coming together and going, yeah, we agree, enough's enough. You know, the George Floyd video was horrific, and not, and not to mention all the other cases that are out there that are still, you know, pending in America right now with police brutality and everything else and racism uh, that, that has been dealt with. Um, you know, just the fact that it's, you know, it got to that boiling point and now it is in the forefront and, you know, to me, I just feel like it's still the beginning, you know, of the movement, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm so, you know, proud of the fact that, you know, the, the protests, uh, and they lasted so long too. It wasn't a couple of nights and we're done, right? No, it's still going on today, right? Yes, yeah, definitely. That's fantastic, right? And of course now, uh, we see uh, Ms. Harris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so, you know. Um, the world is changing, it's moving. Um, so really happy about that, but I, but I think we still have a long way to go. Uh, and you know, you know, I was just talking about those, you know, those little restaurant stories back in the, in the day, but you know, those are just, and I just want to really touch on just, you know, small instances of racism that, have, that has happened to me over the years. There's been large ones too. There's been horrific things that I, you know, could, could talk about that, um, nothing, to the point where I was, you know, physically harmed or anything like that. But just, I can't believe you didn't said that. Right? So yes, yes, yeah. How embarrassing that was for you, for the people that were around me, for myself. Um, 
you know, so it, you live it. And then there's other things that you're not really sure about either. Like, did I not get that promotion? Uh, because, you know, um, you don't want to always think that way, but, you know, you, you, you never know, right? So yeah. uh, conversation now. I'm glad that, uh, sorry, something just, something just, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> there's a, there's an earthquake, earthquake in your place. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone just threw something. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, but I'm, but I'm glad, uh, that the conversation is where it is today and, uh, and onwards and upwards, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, what do you, where do you see yourself in the next, you know, six months? I mean, this thing could last another six months. We just don't know. Um, what are the plans? And you know. yeah, continue. You know, I'm uh, just building the business, and uh, I, like I said before, I think that it's going to definitely start to morph more with people just living online. So we're going to be definitely helping with that, growing that business. You know, uh, hiring on people, that kind of thing. I'm still teaching at uh, at Humber. Um, as well too. So continuing that, you know, doing the online courses as well too, which is a whole other, that's a whole other story, right? Yeah, uh, virtual, yeah. virtual uh, insanity. Yeah. You know, it is. The song uh, goes. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, but just building the business, you know, and uh, and, and getting back to uh, to living again, right? Yeah, so, yeah, living life. Yeah. So Wayne, Wayne, um, um, this is a sorry. I'm just gonna say. Uh, I'm Carlene, and this is Not Mad Nation. We are with Wayne Williams, who is the owner of Agency 9. He created this business, and he's now talking about his experience throughout the years. And, you know, as someone who's been in radio for such a long time, what do you think is one thing that has kept you in the industry for so long, and now all of a sudden you've changed? Like, why? Why, why get out of radio? I've always been somebody who's been really progressive in terms of different mediums and wanting to move. I kind of, kind of can't stay still. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> uh, yeah. I was always morphing digital media, future technology with radio all the way through my career. Um, as the program director, I remember at Flow, um, you know, JJ Melly in the morning, we, you know, I introduced them to this thing called Twitter and they looked at me like I had two heads and they were like, what, what is it? What do you do? And, and then long story short, but, um, uh, Twitter done blew up <laughs> and then everybody figured it out and got it. And we were one of the first, you know, radio shows that were using this, this new digital medium. So I've always been a guy that wants to always push the envelope and, and morph you know, ma the marriage of mediums together. So the fact that, you know, radio has been shrinking over the, over the years. And I've always had a guy, you know, the guy with a camera shooting video, shooting pictures. So I, I, I moved with it. Right. And, um, radio shrinking digital is blowing up. That's kind of what I've been doing anyway. So just, yeah. Podcasts are blowing up too, though. I think, you know, I looked at it and there's over 800,000 podcasts and it's just, and they're saying in the next, by 2023, there's going to be even more podcasts and more people listening to podcasts. It's a great medium. And, and obviously you've taken advantage of that too, not only with digital media. So what exactly, just to clarify, what exactly does your company do for anyone who's listening right now? What does Agency 9 provide for its clients? 
So agency9.ca is the web uh, address and uh, everything from video production, photography, web design, graphic design, helping with uh, digital marketing campaigns on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and everything in between. So you want to uh, put together a digital campaign, an online campaign, you need uh, some content to be created for you so that you can uh, you know, launch it online. You need a photo shoot, a headshot. We, we do all that. Wow. Everything all in one place. That's amazing. Yeah. As someone who's been in radio for so long, what do you think is the one message that you've taken with you from working in the industry like uh, that you would share with anyone? Like why, what has been the, the greatest impact that radio has had on you? Radio is personal. Right, it's such a personal medium. You know, you're supposed to be talking to the, you know, to that one radio listener. You figure out who your target audience is. Your listener is your ideal listener, and you talk to them, and you can touch, touch that person in so many ways. And the fact that you know, I get to this day in my, in my, <clears throat> some odd years in radio, um, that um, how many people have said to me that I got into, you know, DJing, I got into creating music because your show because of you know listening to you and you know that you know to me it's just i'm like what me <laughs> really that's kind of cool <laughs> really um and it's funny i just you know i'm still same touch with so many people that used to listen to me back in the 90s you know i've got a, a gentleman from buffalo new york that just used to listen and come across the board every now and then to the clubs and and still keeps in touch with me he actually just came out of the hospital he had covid and who he reached out to, uh, to, to, to kind of just say hello and I got COVID and what's up. And, you know, he was reaching out to me just to, I guess he needed, you know, just some support and, and I was happy to do it. And then we, you know, we texted back and forth and, and we, or not texted, but we were with Messenger, you know, uh, back and forth. And, and uh, he, he, you know, was one of the lucky ones and, and kicked out of the hospital and is, uh, is recovering. So uh, it just, it touches a lot of people. It's such a personal medium. I love the production of radio. I love the sound of the human voice. I think it's a really cool instrument and what people can do with it and how you deliver it. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah. One more thing I'd like to touch on is that, of course, you are a professor at Humber College. Um, what exactly do you teach again? Just for people who are listening, um, Wayne is my previous professor when I was at Humber. So um, I graduated 2012, and here I am, you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, you know, here we are. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, depending on the term, I either do a traditional radio programming course or a full multimedia so multimedia for radio. So how you would produce video for radio, how you would take pictures for radio, how you would develop a website for, for video, how would you perform in front of a camera, right? We're making those videos, um, and we literally go into you know teaching a photography course, teaching a video production course, um, and we add all that together and, and kind of morph it into how you would use that into radio. So. Uh, creative content is, is what I'm teaching on that side as well, too. So depending on the term, either straight programming or creative content on the visual side. 
visual side, but do you touch on podcasting too? I, I know that now. At the school, but I don't teach that course yet. Oh, okay. But you more or less everything to do the digital side of being yeah. on camera. Yeah. And you know what? It's like they always say you have a voice for radio. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. It's not like that's why I got into radio so I don't have to be in front of a camera. But this day and age, do you think that's crucial? Like, I feel like with YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, like you mentioned prior, like it kind of is important to have that visual aid too, right? Um, Very important. Absolutely important. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. To me, radio should never have been just an audio medium. You know, radio, in a sense, has always been a visual medium as well too. Just, just the percentage was a lot smaller, right? So, um, you know, you had, you know, radio commercials on television. You did have, you know, pictures of different things in the radio station. Um, but just how they were how they were delivered before you before radio stations had websites, you know, where, where would you put those pictures in a newspaper? Right. Uh, you know, so but now that those mediums are here for us to use and radio is now become more and more visual than it was in the past. Right. Um, so I think that is absolutely paramount. Yes, exactly. I, I feel now, too, like so many stations are filming the announcers while they're doing their show. And so you get to see those people. But for me, the reason I got into radio is listening to announcers like Don Jackson, Lovers and Other Strangers, and, and just hearing that voice. And maybe I can ask you this, like, who was your person? Like, who was the person that you could relate to that made you want to get into radio? Yeah, I get asked that question every now and then. And you yeah, know, yeah. I, I, I gotta say, I really don't. I don't have anybody. I, I just oh. no, I don't. I don't. It's weird that I, you know, somebody who really, I, I was like, yeah, that, that's the announcer. But I think I felt, and I, you know, I don't want to make anybody up because it's just I fell in love with the medium as opposed to a oh. particular. The medium is the message, right? Yeah. Right? It's yeah, yeah, and that. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting, though, that you don't really have one particular person, but um, just I guess did you always listen to radio when you were a kid? Like, was it? Was oh, there yeah. a, what what station did you like to listen to? If we can, in Buffalo. So you know, WBLK in Buffalo. I used to listen to to, to, to Debbie Sims back in the day. Um, and actually that she was one of the, um, I mean, this is a while ago, but she was one of the hosts that I was actually did my internship, uh, at, at BLK as well too. So, you know, I was the guy that, you know, went to bed every night with a little radio under my pillow. Right. And that's what put me to sleep was all the jams that were coming out of BLK. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's kind of like your cornerstone, like your, um, that kind of started your passion yeah. for radio and got you maybe interested in that and then that's why you yeah, went to college CFTR, and yeah you know, yeah cftr chum you know um you know mm -hmm. back in the day cf and of course listening to deadly headley and chris shepherd doing the uh uh doing the late night shows all the dance music and stuff community radio as mentioned uh, before so so all those stations had an impact but again i just fell in love with you know what those stations were doing right so um you know and, and the medium itself yeah. And, you know, like they said, I remember when I started at Humber, like Paul crossing to me, like to our class that um, the power of radio, like it's there. And like when, when things happen, we turn to radio. And mm -hmm. so that's just how it is. And, you know, but I mean, for you, it's always been music and, and that's what um, got you started. And, 
you know, um, I think you've definitely left your impact on radio and um, there's more great things to come, you know, and I yeah, just sure. wish you all the best with Agency 9. And actually, you know what? Before we go, I know that C2 Cinema, like you... Would w like yeah, Pardon? yeah, you're correct. Yeah, W2 Cinema. Sorry, yeah. W2 yeah, Cinema. Yeah. You're yes. correct. So I'm, I'm starting to morph. Um, all my different, because I had W2 Cinema and W2 Images, right? So yes. I'm start morphing those under one umbrella with Agency 9, because it's all the same thing. Right, yeah. right. So, but yeah, you're right. So I'm just going to morph all those over into the umbrella of Agency 9. All in one house, like yes. the White House. <laughs> Put everything all together. And the White House next year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We don't know. Like, you don't know what your future is, right? Exactly. So you know, yes. there we have it. I'm Carlene, and this is Not Magnation. We have with us Wayne Williams. Thank you so much, Wayne, for speaking with me all these years later. It's amazing. To My pleasure. Enjoy. All the best of the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Charlie. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Not Magnation. I'm your host, Carlene Humphrey.